0: We are in a series, it's called Sent and Senders, and we are trying to build our theology of missions. Not just mission, but missions. God's global purposes, God's global mandate. We see it from the very beginning. Last week we discussed just that. That to be made in God's image is about bringing his benevolent care into all of this earth to rule and to reign. As in a sense, co-regents with God, but doing it in a way that reflects his character, his heart, his desires. And so we started last week with this entire thought about why everything we do matters if done in a spirit of faith, reflecting God's heart, recognizing who he is and what he's done. And so we had this whole part last week about our vocations And making lunches on a Tuesday, and even mowing the lawn, everything that we do to bring order out of chaos, that this is a part of what it means to be made in God's image, and that we are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with those who are doing it. We saw just briefly, we discussed how in Revelation 21 and 22, we see what will be the fullest extent of that, which is if the garden had not been tainted by sin, it would have resulted in. The world that we see. But in between Genesis 2 and Revelation 21 is what we know. It's the air that we breathe. It's what we live in. And I'll give you some examples of that. There are amazing advancements in our world. Awesome, awesome examples of culture creating. Phenomenal blessings that allow for us to live our lives that reflect Creating order from chaos. I'll just share a few. Medicine. We live in a house, many of you know this. We live in a house with diabetes as a part of it. And synthetic pig insulin, or Albert's made even now, has given uh, my wife many more years than she would have ever had otherwise. She's been able to have three kids. Her endocrinologist thinks that she's top-notch. We, uh, You know, if you see one of the Jonas Brothers on the Dexcom commercial, like we're a Dexcom family, and so we live in that world. My phone buzzes at me if her blood sugar is low. It buzzes at me if her blood sugar is high. Like it has been an amazing way for us to live our lives. And it has allowed for her, though I wish diabetes on no one, I pray that my kids are kept from it their entire life, Uh, though I wish that on no one because of just the kind of bearer of a disease that it is I am grateful that we are able to have such care and that she is able to live the life that she lives with yes regular consideration of modification of how she eats or what she does you have a bad day or you're extra frustrated and your blood sugar spikes you're like what's going on I haven't eaten anything it's like yeah it's because you're angry that was my bad you know, one of our sons, when he was born, needed surgery at 24 hours old. It was life or death. You either had the surgery and you live, or you don't have the surgery and you die. And so, had a surgery at 24 hours old. The very fact that pediatric surgeons exist show us this world of things aren't right, but praise God that there are those who put energy and effort and training into trying to make right what this world has expressed as wrong. Travel. Is one. We can travel across the world. At the time that I did this, the time I wrote this, which was May 5th, I looked at the tickets to get to South Africa. John had spent time in South Africa, so I was like, let me pick a place that John would, would know about. May 5th, I could have gotten to Cape Town by 5 10 p.m. on May 6th for $5,000. I could have bought the ticket that day and been there the next day. It's stunning. Like, I just wonder what the Apostle Paul would have thought about that. Like, wait a minute. I'm trying to, like, get on a boat, and I'm getting bitten by snakes and shipwrecked, and you can literally, I could have been in Spain in an hour and a half if I just took, took, took off out of Tel Aviv. Yep, wasn't Tel Aviv then. <laughs> Tech, we have the world in our pockets Translations. you see the commercials where somebody will say something, like, we got next, and then they translate it, and it comes out. Like like we have access to so many things. And I just all my students always in class, they're always just checking what I say. I've literally just started to go, I'm not even sure if this is right anymore, but one of you guys are gonna check it anyway, and you're gonna tell me. And so just go ahead and fact check me now because you're gonna do it anyways. And so we have all of this access to knowledge, translations, stats. I remember I was a, a big, ba- Tim Kirkton, a big baseball writer for his whole life, like would cut out newspaper box scores. And then some years ago, he was like, I quit. Like, I can get every box score that's ever existed by just Googling it. And so I have no reason to go to newspapers. He had like, I don't know, like a scrapbook of decades of box scores. No longer needed. Think of our professions. Work is meaningful, you can create in so many ways order out of chaos. You can do beautiful work serving people. You can start businesses and employ folks and give them hope and give them life and give them, get them started in something they would have never seen before. In our world, you can have an idea and you can move from idea to business license to execution. Now, I don't know if you're going to be profitable, but you can do that Quickly. And people are able to use the generosity that they make in their jobs to continue to support the Great Commission. Both just by the giving, but also by creating work for people in other cultures and in other places and other ways. And so, like, there's just so much good that even exists in this room. But take the same side of that. Medicine. With every technological advancement, we've also learned how to kill children. And make people's lives easier. And so we can take care of my wife's diabetes. And then if she got pregnant and said, I don't want it, then go, okay. Like we have a way to take care of that. Travel. So many of us just travel both just for our own benefit. We just want to see the world. No concern for the lost. But along with that, if the whole underbelly, like, like <clears throat> we ship people all over the world. Human trafficking is still a thing, and the slave trade is still a thing. And so we take something phenomenal and use it in inhumane and incredibly evil ways. Technology, we neglect the people right in front of us because we live like this in the middle of a conversation. I mean, it's just expected. If you drive around and you even just look at people who are driving, what do you see? But you see them on their phones. Conversations that we have, I mean, like, we have, like, literal conditions. People can look at your x-ray and go, oh, you're on your phone a lot. The way you're hunched over, or the way you're like, 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 it just, like, this is what we do. So we have this amazing technology that we use just to escape, or not only that, like, things like social media, that we use just to look stupid, where we just promote stupidity, and we like stupidity. And so all of these beautiful things somehow get twisted and ruined by us. Now we're starting to recognize the problem. We are enormously aware of the fundamental good that can happen by people created in God's image who are using the tools, or even creating the tools that allow for us to live thriving lives. And then on the flip side of that, we kill ourselves with these same tools. And we use them for our own end and our own purposes. Because somewhere between Genesis 2 and Revelation 21, there was a problem. Why does this exist and what is done about it? second sermon in the and Sender series because the theology of missions, missions has to, it exists for a reason. It's almost like we've been given this, 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 this blessing to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but until we fix the reason that we can't be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in benevolent ways, reflecting God's good character to the ends of the earth, we got to figure out what went wrong so we can get back to what God has put before us. It would make sense to go to Genesis 3, because we were just in Genesis 1. But the reason that I went to Romans 1, an epistle in the New Testament, rather than Genesis 3, the original story of the fall, is because in Romans 1 you get to see the fullest, just like this full expression of ugliness. Book of Romans... John's favorite book, he'll probably correct all the ways that I say this, but later, not, like, not mid-sermon. I'm going to stay really high level for it now. book of Romans begins with the Apostle Paul explaining why both Jews and Gentiles have no access to God due to sin. That they're both flawed, they're both broken, and they both need restoration, and the restoration comes through Jesus. First, 11 chapters of the book of Romans are dealing with just that. And then as he gets towards chapter 10, 11, he talks about how Israel is still a part of that. And then only in chapter 12 does he move to application. To offer yourselves as living sacrifices. But you can't get to chapter 12 if you just jump right to it. And in Romans chapter 1, what he's really doing is showing how the Gentiles, that would be us, all without Jewish backgrounds, are without excuse. He'll then move to how... His own people are without excuse. Yes, we had the law, but we didn't use it for the right reasons. And so he's setting up this argument as to why everybody needs Jesus. And he starts by talking to the Gentiles. So I'm going to do this, like I said last time, problem, solution, application. But we're going we're to discuss the problem for a little while because we have a lot in here And so, based upon where we are in this series, sent and Senders, and the whole goal is to get to view ourselves as a sent person, but also as a church, a sending church that wants to move people out to the fulfillment of the Great Commission, sending missionaries and sending job creators and sending people out to go use the skills God has given them to make disciples of all nations. But the problem is, we can't get to the goal of rightly image-bearing, rightly reflecting him in all the world, we've failed at it. Romans 1 tells us what's gone on. We have the commission, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, last week's sermon, but what ends up happening in Genesis 3 is we choose ourselves over God. We choose our, our own desires over God and our own comfort over God and our own protection over God, and so... God says, okay, and we see curses on the serpent, and curses on the woman, and curses on the man, and how all of this is going to go, but it doesn't just stay right there, it actually just, like in every era, in every situation, we continue to see how this sin problem exists. Genesis 4, we see murder, right away, the killing of life, the taking of life rather than the giving of life. So we already see that we've juxtaposed this thing in terrible ways. Romans 1, 18 through 32, New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus is going to give us a statement of why God's wrath is coming or the statement of wrath, a reason for it, and the result. So the statement, the reason, and the result. Romans one18 eighteen, we're going to see this right there. Wrath is coming, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. What do men do? They by their unrighteousness suppress truth. That begins the problem. So there's this statement of God's wrath is revealed. It is seen. It is reflected. What does man do? Man suppresses. Now, just like if you've ever had like a, um, a squish ball or a stress ball, uh, and they can kind of leak if you have them with like the wrong materials, but like you, when you squeeze it, what starts to happen? It kind of just comes out distorted, right? It comes out of your hand distorted. My sister gave us some of these for Christmas, and it didn't take us long for us to destroy them, uh, but it's always like weird, and then you kind of push it. It's like, right? Like all these weird things start to happen with it. So that is, go with me here, but suppression is just that. We have knowledge of God, but we hide it, and when we hide it, what is true comes out distorted. It's all messed up, and it's the wrong view of what God would want us to have. So we squeeze, suppress, try and hide, and it results in distortion of what is good and not something beautiful. That's a big problem. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Where the the Jewish nation had the law delivered, spoken, written, should have been taught, instructed, and walked in, the Gentiles had God's world. And what is... Uh, his, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made with the result. So they are without excuse. So what has been made known about God is plain, but rather than actually believe it, we suppress it and hide from it. Now this is the same thing that happened in the garden. In the garden in Genesis chapter 3, when God comes a-walking, Adam and Eve run. They hide and they cover themselves because they know what they've done. But they act like they don't know. But they know. There is a whole world that declares God is real. And yet, even in our current culture, in our current ways, in our current beliefs, we reject even that. That uh, faith was just sharing about the, what, seven babies that are coming in 2023, the seven children that will be, be born and we celebrate that. when a child's born, it is rather awe-inspiring. We don't go, yeah, well, that's kind of what's going to happen, right? Like, you know, like you, you, you put 23 pairs of chromosomes together and like, like boom, like baby, baby shows up. Like in even those moments, if you're lost or found, know Jesus or don't, have a different religious background, what happens when a child is born but your breath is taken away? You just go, How? How? And then after your first one, maybe not your second, third, fourth, or 20th. I don't know. Some, some of the people at Genesis are probably going to have 20. Um, but after however many, you still like, you hold that baby and go, how did that thing exist in her? Right? You, just, I, I'm, like, you can't bend that child back up and go right back in. You're just, like, it won't ever happen. And so you just go, how did that, how did that happen? Why? Because God knits together but we reject that. It just becomes totally biological. We see trees and canyons and lightning and thunder, and we just go, well, that's what happens. Low-pressure systems and high-pressure systems and hot and cold and humidity, and we just have all of these ways to explain away beauty so that it's no longer beauty. It is just a predictable outcome that should exist in this world. This is what happens when. I mean, first of all, if that's our perspective, that is such a boring place to live because you have removed wonder from it. And I don't mean, I don't mean you have to be anti-intellectual. I am not that. I want you to be as sharp as you can be for the Lord. If, you, if God's given you a good mind, you get every degree you can. If you are very happy otherwise, be very happy otherwise. Don't, don't, don't say, well, Hans told me I have to go to grad school now. I didn't say that. But whether you want to be ascending in academia or not doesn't matter to me. But I am not saying we should hide from knowledge. But when that knowledge results in predictability and not all, then we have missed something. But that is what happens in sin is we just go, oh, well, And we don't just stand back and wonder. So Ben's an architect. And Ben gets to get on his computer and somebody has a design or somebody has a space or somebody has a place. And he gets to go, okay, watch this. Now I know there's others. I'm simplifying it. I'm not, you know, I'm not an architect. And you get to build something. And when you get to show that to people, I'm sure because they're trying to spend millions of dollars, they're like, okay, well, let's get it right. But have you have ever seen somebody draw something up on what it could look like, and you don't have that skill, and you just go, wow. How did you do that? How did you think about that? How, where, what in your brain did that? When you see a tree swaying in the wind, or you go to Jerusalem, let's say, you go on a trip on Israel, and there are trees that are 2,000 years old. And you see that, and you think of all the kids that ran around that tree and played games and climbed up into it over the course of centuries. And we go, yeah, well, that's just how life goes. What a small way to view this world when we've lost any sense of wonder. But that is exactly what happens. We suppress it, re-explain it, and are left without excuse because in doing that, we have rejected God. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, sounds like our world, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. My friend is an athletic trainer. It's a lot of school to do athletic training. And he's been at multiple colleges and done that for a very long time and trained people and rehabbed lots of injuries and lots of sports. And so anytime I have an ailment, I ask him what I should do. And I wish he would be kinder toward me, but he really just doesn't. He's like, yeah, well, you're old, and you just have to live with it. Like, live with it or pay a lot for surgery to function no better. Like, that's, those are your options. And I'm like, okay. So that's what he says. But did you know this? Because if you ever watch a football game, now, I, this is not a statement on what football should or shouldn't be. You ever watch a football game? Maybe most of us in here have. And you go, how could you hit one another at those speeds and in those ways and not just, if I did that, my bones would break. And if you ask my friend Dustin, he go, they would break. Did you know that over constant stress, your bones actually become more dense? They get used to being hit. And they actually change their density so that your leg doesn't snap the first time you're hit. So, yes, you would be broken in half if you tried to jump into a football game with no training. But that's why a football players not. Isn't that crazy? That your body adapts to that. Like, I don't, I don't know what games were happening that God made our bones so that they'd get denser later. But, like, that's a pretty new sport. And I just, I just find that I, I, it really is just awe-inspiring that there's stuff we still are learning when you see the pictures of, well, I forget the name of the new telescope. It's like it, it reads an IR, and it's like, and you just see these, boo this whole world. And some people stand in awe, and they don't even know why. Because they have rejected the ability to say, maybe there's more to this life. They've rejected it. So wrath is coming because people suppress truth. They don't receive him. They reject him. And we all do it. That's the case that Paul is building. Every single person does this. We find reasons. And what actually happens, the result, is rather than the worship of God, there is the worship of man. It results in idolatry. The worship of people. The worship of birds. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up to their lust, to their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so the result of this suppression is because we are wired to worship, and I don't mean just sing songs. I was thinking about this after the last sermon. I was like, if God just wanted people in a forever worship service, he could have just created voice boxes. They could all just be there singing songs. But we have hands and feet, and we move around And we create and we build and we do all kinds of things. God wants us to be fully human. But the problem is with sin in the way, rather than become fully human, we just reduce ourselves to worshipers of humans. Why? Because we're still trying to find some way to recognize what's going on in this world. And so we result... In selfie, I call it selfies and statues. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Stop right there. This is a common way God handles disobedience. After however long, God waits. And is patient and is kind, be it with Jew or Gentile. However long God endures, there comes a time when He says, okay, go. If that's how you want to live, and if that's where you want to be, and if that's what you think is best, go. So God gave them up to dishonorable passions, handed them over to dishonorable passions. And then we see that this shows up in the wrong expression of affection. Rather than, as we saw in Genesis 1, a statement given to Adam and Eve, man and woman. Adam weren't Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. The woman and the man. To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Rather than do that, instead, we actually reduce any ability to do that by pursuing one another in the wrong kind of affections. God gave them up. Women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Now, because we suppress truth, the the suppression of truth for us and I'm going to live. I, I'm going to explain a bit of attention that I have as a pastor, um, just as I talk to people who hurt, as I talk to people who, ache, as I talk to people who really do wonder what their sexual identity is. Like, how does this thing work? People who hate their body. But the expression that shows up in our culture of just affirming whatever anybody wants to be. Where we can't even define what it means to be male or female. Where we have language that just says, "Well, just love who you want to love in whatever ways you want to love them," and that doesn't really stop. I mean, people will marry themselves. I go, "I want to marry myself because I'm the only one I can get along with." I go, "Well, you can't marry a tree. You have to marry another human. Why? Why not a tree?" Now I know you might sound that sounds reductionistic, but but just hear me out. Sin has so confused us. It is so confused up from down and left from right and darkness from light that we live in darkness and we call it light. And if we try and live in a culture where we try and accommodate any culture, this was Rome, right? This was first century Rome. We try and accommodate any culture, we're going to screw it up. We're going to screw it up. And I say that, I say the pastoral tension is I have friends, dear friends, people I love, who just go, I don't have any feelings for women. And I need people in my life to keep me from pursuing other men. I need people who will pray for me and care for me and not call me a weirdo and not ask me when I'm getting married. Because the answer might be never. But I need people who are going to hold me to what Scripture says and not encourage me to pursue how I feel. I need that. That's why I feel the tension, right? Because sin affects us in all kinds of different ways. And I want people who recognize hey, this isn't what the Lord has revealed. and This isn't what God has said was good. And I'm not even sure what to do about it. Because what often happens in churches is we make no room for mess. We don't mean it, but we do it. And by that I mean there's no room to show up confused, hurt, broken, or lost. And this might shock you, probably won't, but lost people... Act like lost people. Yeah, like, like it, people who don't know Jesus are going to act like people who don't know Jesus. Sometimes people who know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus. So like if we screw it up, imagine not knowing him and trying to know him. Like it won't work. And so people who don't know the Lord are going to act like people who don't know the Lord. But we have some kind of in our life, like I don't know what to do with that. Like that's because so often we get so self-righteous We've answered all the questions, and we have no room to deal with somebody else's brokenness, somebody else's sin, and how they're trying to comprehend how to walk with God. Why did God make me this way will be a question that you get. Why did God do this to me? Why can't I do that? And if we, if we bow a knee to any cultural expression at any time, we won't have a good answer, because we don't have built into our minds and our hearts a a way to understand what God has done, and what God is doing, and what God will do. But if our focus is only on life as we know it here, and it doesn't Again, look to the hope that we have in Jesus and his return in the new heaven and the new earth when everything broken becomes unbroken, where every wrong is made right, where every sinful inclination that might exist even within you has been removed and you have a resurrected body with no pain and no worry and no doubt. I do not even know what it's like to have 75 seconds without thinking about myself. You give me 3 minutes of not thinking about myself, but actually being dedicated to the Lord and his ways. That's heaven. Like, like because I I can't I can't get you 3 minutes of that. So we tell people to love who they love, live how they want, make what they want. You only get one life, right? You know the phrase YOLO? You only live once. I, I don't know the new one, right? Again, I, my kids are like, what are you, Dad, what are you saying? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not relevant. So, all of that happens. God's wrath is coming. People suppress the truth. They suppress the truth, and it comes out distorted in the worship of one another. The worship of one another. I'm a big fan of LSU football. I I try to keep them out of sermons now because there used to be a group text making fun of me for it. So, like, those people aren't here anymore, but they literally would group text in the sermon about it. I'm sure somebody's going to start it up now. But I I don't say it much anymore on purpose. I'll talk about OU for John's sake. But I love, I don't go very often to LSU games. We went last year to one of them. It was raining like crazy. My oldest son and I were there. We had eight tickets, two went. Uh, Because it was raining, and then one kid got sick, and it was just, it was a mess of a week. But we sat in the cold rain and watched LSU destroy a terrible team, and it was awesome. (laughs) But, I mean, if you're ever there, if you ever go and there, I don't know in this case, but LSU Stadium can hold 100,000 people. And for most games, they're going to get 100,000 people. For a rainy game against, you know, UAB, probably not. But for Alabama, you're going you're gonna to get standing room only. You're going to get whatever you're going to get. But you, you know what else you're going to get? Is odd expressions of people worship. I mean, you really do get that. When we sing, Kenny, you know the words, the alma mater. We literally, the, the student body is going to sing this, and there's a line in our alma mater... It says, our worth in life will be thy worth. And I mean, students are just like, our worth in life will be thy worth. What's the next line? We pray to make it true. I think it's something like that. Something or something. And I'm just sitting there going, we have no clue how idolatrous that is. Because it's normal. It's normal. And we have to see. That this world, in its ways and in its expressions, rejects God. We don't have to be angry about it. We don't have to be reclusive about it. But we have to know it. Or else we can't speak to it. Churches do a very good job of being angry about it. Yelling at it. Condemning it. In services that are full of, most of the time, other believers. Yeah! That's just the dumbest thing to do to me. I'd love it if we were stirred up over it. Like when Paul sees all the idols and he's stirred up. And so he has to say something. Because he sees people living for futile purposes and in futile ways. And he wants them to know something better so that right we can be made right with God and get back on the journey that he originally put us on, put us on which is to reflect his image into the, every nook and cranny of this earth that he has created. And so he's stirred up, Paul's stirred up, and he goes and he shares Because he must. or He goes, this is no way to live. I see you're religious. But let me just tell you, you don't have a clue. And you don't have to say that arrogantly because if we remember, this is all of us. You have to get brought out of this. You don't just realize it. And you're not born just thinking it. You have to come out of this. This is the water we breathe. Look at 28 through 32. The result of all of this is life as we know it. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. There's that word again, that phrase. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And he's gonna give you some expressions of that. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, But give approval to those who do. All the beauty that exists within every single person here the potential, the capacity to do such good for the Lord, the creativity. I'm still stunned by my children. I mean, every time they draw a picture, we talked about Superbub and Ultrabub, they draw, they create, they build. It's just nonstop. I love it. But what happens if we see this expressed? It's life as we know it. My job exists to make money for me. I spend things on myself. My desire is to go ahead and climb the corporate ladder so that I can, what? Be known? It's your goal to be known? If your goal is to be known, what are you? You're right back in Romans 1 where you just want people worshiping you. You want to climb some kind of list? Some kind of tower? Do you want to be at the sea level so people have like, they have to give you better benefits and give you lots of money? And when you do a bad job, they'll just give you more money to leave? Like, is that, is that what we want? So often we live our lives for us. We have no capacity to consider others. We're lucky if the motivation is simply so my kids can go to the schools they want to go to or have the opportunities they want to have. Like, But even then, if it's for your family only, guess what you're being? Enormously selfish. You don't even exist for your family. You exist for the Lord. It is overwhelming, and it is unending. There is not an amount of money that you could make that you would be satisfied if you don't know the Lord. You just go to the Forbes billionaire list, call them up, any one of those billionaires. Just give them a call, shoot them an email, whatever, DM them, and go, do you have enough money? Can you stop now? The answer is always no. The answer is always, I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. And what's funny, and I don't know if statistics still play this out, but what's funny is Americans, we don't even live off of what we make. We live off of about 102% of what we make. And so we're not even satisfied with what we have. We have to create systems to go ahead and get more than what we have because that's how we'll feel good enough. And if you spend 102% of what you make when you're 25, guess what you're going to do when you're 65? The same thing. You're going to make more, and you're going to spend more. Why? Because this is what happens when our affections are not ordered in the right way. We live for ourselves. I think that we then know it's a pretty big problem. It's a pretty big problem. We've all experienced it. You've been in the meeting at work where somebody's get goals and go, well, I don't really know if we need to do that because I hate that person. I hate that vendor. They looked at me funny. I don't like this. I don't like that. We've all been in those spaces. Or we've been the judgmental one or others have been the judgmental ones. We all deal with this problem. And ultimately this affects us on the mission God has put us to because we fill the world with people who look like us and not God. I heard a guy say about a month and a half ago, He's like, man, he's like, I don't really care all that much about cities because, and he's in a city, but he's like, because cities are just, to me, what Babel is. It's a bunch of people trying to build something to determine what they can do without God. He's like, I just, like, all we do, all we do is build monuments to ourselves and towers to ourselves, and we name the after for ourselves, and we put bricks down with our names on them because we contributed to what's going on. All we do is build things for ourselves. Unless something changes. In the same letter, Paul says this, Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, no distinction between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith that was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. God is abundantly patient with us in all of our ugliness. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How do we get back on what God has us to do, which is to reflect him and his care and his ways into all the earth, to have meaningful jobs and meaningful conversations, and to do it so that others might flourish? We can't do it without first being made right. And when we're made right through faith in Jesus and the sacrifice for our sins, then we are brought from death to life, darkness to light. And we're rightly aligned. And then we can get back to the business of filling this earth with those who call on the name of Jesus. Paul then, throughout Romans, he's talking about how Jesus makes us right. And Jesus puts us in the right orientation so we can live in the way we ought to live. So we can do the things God has asked for us to do. That's why in Romans 12, 1, 2, he'll say, offer yourselves in view of the mercies of God. All that he's done, offer yourselves It's a living sacrifice. for all that you have and all that you do, because that's worship. But we can't do it without the work of Jesus. So what does that mean? Two words, very easy. Repent. The words are easy. Act is not. Repent or return. If you're here today and you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus for your salvation, I would say the first thing you need to do, you might be hearing all this and go, that all feels right. We are selfish. I'm selfish. We're all jerks. I really get tired of it. I get tired of myself. I get tired of my own frustrations. I get tired of snapping at my spouse. I get tired of thinking about me first. I don't want to do that. I'm angry and I live for myself and I'm distracted and disengaged and I do live on my phone. I live on my phone because I think it's going to make me happy. And it doesn't make me happy. I just, I just do it. If that's you today, before you even go, well, how am I going to undo all these things? You don't worry about it. And you go to Jesus. And this is the cool thing Jesus does through faith. Is here's death and here's life. And he just goes, dunk. That's it. I mean, like, like. I, th- there are more beautiful ways to talk about salvation, I know, but I'm not a beautiful, eloquent speaker, and so you just get dunk, right? Like that's all he does. Through faith, he just goes, all right, you're, o- you're over. You're in. You've moved. Now live. Now live. When I say return, I speak to the believers in the room. I go, don't, don't reject your purpose. You're still in your flesh going to be tempted to live for yourself, to self-protect, to self-preserve, to care about yourself, to build up your portfolio, to build up your assets, to be all you think you should be. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's what so many of us want. But return, believer, to image-bearing, to reflecting him, to speaking of him. Because that problem of sin has made everything beautiful ugly. Because there's so much of us on it. But through Christ, it becomes beautiful again. It becomes meaningful again. Even walking and seeing stars worship by being stars, we can be in awe. I have this picture of my son. I wish I'd put it up there, but I didn't. On the beach about a month ago. My youngest loves the outside. And so I have a picture of him on the beach, Orange Beach, Alabama. And we're out there at night, him and me. And we're looking for crabs. We we didn't find any, but we found other people who found them, so that's that counts. And I have this picture of him where he's just staring. Right? You can hear the 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 gulf, the waves crashing in. I can, you can't, it's just a picture. But you hear it all crashing in. And there's my son just staring. Up and just caught up in a dark sky on a beach. Like that's the kind of worship when we see that. Like, like that's all, even those little moments become meaningful. They don't go, come on, we got to get we got to get to bed. I'm like, forget bedtime. Let's just stare at the stars. Let's just stare, let's find crabs. Let's see the ocean. Let's dig in the sand. It's going to be super annoying. We're going to be sandy, and I'm going to hate it, but it's going to be... The moment's worth it. When we see our coworkers who are broken and don't really have an answer for why they live the way that we do, and grace, we can step into those spaces and talk about a better way. We can talk about a Savior who lived a fully flourishing life and then gave it, gave it willingly for us so that we could be made right. But so often as as Christians, we only talk about the being made right. We don't talk about the rest of the life that we get to live. A life of people made right, reflecting God and how they live on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and how they speak of him and talk about him and the encouragement that they can bring and the prayers that they can pray. So we have more to come in this series as we talk about how God communicates and how we communicate and what is God doing to bring all of this to a close. We're a part of it. A big part of it. A part that God has chosen.